Welcome back to our interview with the vampire coverage here on Post Show Recaps. We are discussing episode two after the phantoms of your former self. My name is Grace, and I'm here with not my former self, just another self. DM Philly, how you doing? I am excellent. Uh, ready for a seven course meal of a podcast here, Grace. Uh, are you coming for the whole thing, or are you gonna skip like the first like five courses? I'm just here for the fox, to be honest. Okay, the fox, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh. The A2, the blood, the human who comes in who will feast on. What a, what a delightful course. And then real dessert? That's great. Yeah, with a real dessert. Uh, Looks yeah. like sorbet, perhaps. I, I, don't, I quite like, like a sorbet. Yeah. I love the episode title, Grace. It's like the ellipses mm-hmm. rolled out of the last episode title right into this one, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, ever since the days of Breaking Bad, I deeply appreciate some clever episode titling along the way. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I assume that they, is this very much like uh, in the Throws of Grace, you after the fans of your former self? Are these. Do, do you envision that these are that, like that? Is, is that the complete sentence of that quote, or are these? So, is it like just a separate quote later? I am showing you a visual aid, which is not yes. helpful for the podcast. That's My right. original copy of Interview with the Vampire from the yes. early '90s. I have been digging through it. I'm really taken with how um, quickly the story advances in the book as I'm revisiting yes. it because it's been a long time since I've gone and I have not reread that line explicitly. But I feel very much like I will find it in there. Uh, right. Right. So I'm. I, I can't say with uh, certainty that it is but it feels like it is right yeah um Boy, by the end of the, the season, we could have quite the run on sentence. I know, really. <laughs> yeah. uh, weirdly, uh, we'll just say this. We are uh, re- releasing this episode here on Monday, October 10th. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving to folks, uh, if you are Canadian. Hey. Uh, uh, I had a big, uh, wonderful mini-course meal yesterday. Um, but uh, so AMC Plus, we kind of, I kind of assumed, oh, they just dropped the first two. And, you know, next Sunday, the episode two will air on AMC, which it did. It did air last night on amc but then amc plus was like do you want episode three on amc plus like okay so i don't really know what we're you know what they're doing what they're thinking i guess the idea is you get the episodes a full week ahead now if you're an amc plus subscriber instead of getting it early that morning so our plan is to stick with the tv uh release schedule uh if that changes well you know you'll see it in in your feed uh postrecaps.com slash vampire i believe is our feed um so yeah uh oh feed very very fitting for a vampire uh, uh, show really. the feed. Um, yeah but yeah very interesting release schedule philly that their amc is trotting out as you had like gave me the heads up yesterday and we were kind of talking about it i think that it's a really clever move i think in a world with like we're drowning in streaming services and you're subscribed to all these things the motivation to subscribe to amc plus right yeah of like why would i want this but the fact is this is a pretty big marquee franchise there's a lot mm-hmm. of folks out there we talked about sandman this summer this is one of those properties that the more you start like asking people about it you run into folks that like oh yeah i love those books i love of that book that movie at least right mm-hmm. um so it seems like some good motivation uh yeah like why would i spend this money to just sign up for this very particular streaming service because i want the episode a week ahead of time that's an actual get i think yeah. so yeah. well in the age of i i make this joke a lot the age of like uh, everybody's binge watching things and and you talk uh i i spent a time with family this week and it's like oh what are you what are you watching they're like yeah i'm i'm uh i'm watching uh rings of powers are you and it's like no i'm three episodes behind them mm-hmm. like, oh well the andor's out it's like yeah i'm two episodes behind on mm-hmm. it's like oh you watch house of the dragon it's like i'm caught up uh i'm not caught up it's i'm like, not <laughs> caught up yet. yeah <laughs> uh, but you could be the person at the at the party who's like 
I am actually a week ahead on Interview with the Vampire. Uh, you you pleb who's watching it on TV, like fool. I'm a, I'm a whole week ahead. Uh, we will be a week behind, I think, because we're going to watch it as the at the TV uh, pace. But but very interesting, a very interesting uh, you know, a way to roll out the show. Um, let me give a quick overview of After the Phantoms of Your Former Self. As we mentioned, uh, uh, Louis is going to uh, offer uh, Daniel Malloy some dinner, a many-course meal. Actually, a servant will offer it, who uh, is very cagey, this man. He serves a god, Rich. Oh, um, he does. Yeah. Uh, Louis apologizes for his outburst earlier, says it will not happen again. And so we're in session two of their interview. Um Louis uh, is in pain. Essentially, he is dying. Um, he goes to drink some blood, and Lestat says, uh-uh, we do not drink the blood of the dead. It will pull you down to uh, the depths of de despair with you. Um, and uh, Lestat teaches Louis how to to hunt, uh, and they find a very boring man. I feel bad for him. He did die. He was trying to buy, perhaps, a horse for his daughter. Um, but he does die. Uh, Louis feeds him. It's very messy. It does not go well. Uh, and in the morning, sort of this hangover, regret, Louis says, I want to go home. Uh, he burns in the sun and he comes home and he lies in the coffin of Lestat. He'll get his own coffin eventually. Um, Lestat's going to continue to teach Louis. He's going to teach him how to read minds. We're going to learn it does not work on other vampires. There's some things you have to give up when you are given the dark gift. Um, and Lestat teaches us that uh, people just want three things in life. They want food, sex, or to go home. Um, Louis does go home. He sees his mom and his sister. And we learn that Grace is pregnant with twins. Um, there's a man who is working with Louis who calls him an exceptional Negro, which does not take, uh, Louis does not take kindly. He has decades of rage to process. He kills him. Lestat is very upset. Uh, this is an important man in town. You could kill as many parish priests as you want, but you need to show restraint. Um, there's going to be a little bit of a tiff here as, uh, Lestat calls him a fledgling, uh, uh, throughout the episode. Um, but he says, what can I do to make up, uh, make it up to you? If this man offended you, then I would have killed him for you. And Louis wants to buy the Fair Play Saloon. So he does. He pays the staff better. Uh, he wants to pay back Lestat. And he made a mountain of money during this time. Uh, many years later, Louis goes back to see uh, Grace. Uh, she has another baby, baby Benny. Um, but uh, Louis has not yet met the twins, who are a handful, apparently. And as he's holding the baby, in probably the most tense part of the episode, Rich, uh, we want to know, does he eat the baby? Daniel's Did you eat the baby? Did you eat the baby? <laughs> No, he left it on the floor. Um, in modern day, Louis is not killing anybody. He only uh, uh, feeds consensually. Um, but uh, uh, Louis is quite upset. He almost ate his nephew. He wants to die. Lestat says, there's no one like you, Louis. Uh, let's take a holiday. Let's go to Rome. And when we can't go to Rome, perhaps we'll bring the opera to us. And so we'll bring Rome to us. Lestat being annoyed that the singer is bad at the opera, kills the opera singer, uh, telling Louis to embrace what you are. You're a killer. Louis uh, listens in on the man's thought as he dies, memories of himself. At the end of the episode, they eat a uh, a dessert in which Louis tries to have at least one human dish once per week. Um, and we get this, uh, the, the dessert is uh, the, the dessert they had after Daniel proposed to his first wife after he got his life together. And he has this little anecdote, which I love to get into. His wife, Eyebrow, uh, half of it was blonde. She always dyed it. I liked it when she left it alone. And then he closes the laptop and we end the episode. Um, wow, there's a lot. Uh, a training a montage, essentially, uh, Philly. Uh, how to be a vampire. 
I love a training montage, mm-hmm. Grace. I really loved so much of this episode. There's these great subversions of a lot of the text and a lot of the way that Louis and Lestat's relationship kind of developed. It's really emphasized in the book how Louis, as soon as he's kind of turned, has this real distaste for Lestat and is like, oh my gosh, the spell has kind of worn off. And that is not the case here, right? As Louis no. will tell us again and again and again that he had a way about him. I believe he says for the third and final time i will say he had a way about him right and louis is very much uh ensorcelled uh is one of my favorite words he's enspelled mm-hmm. by this man and his intoxication I, I, shall we start at the end is the beginning because yeah. i love the anecdote that malloy gives right of this culmination he kind of reaches over he closes the laptop he, he stops the interview right as he has this very real moment with louis and he's talking about uh his his first wife alice and they sat and they shared this dessert at a place that louis knows well and half of her eyebrow was blonde like a mutt he says and she she was very self-conscious about it and would dye it but he liked it when she didn't right and the flaws of her humanity the imperfections being the things that you come to love so much and the way that lestat talks to Louis in exactly this kind of way. You are an imperfect, uh, perfect realization of yourself. Like I've lived for two centuries and I can assure you, you have no twin out there. Uh, no. You are a snowflake. You are this singular entity of which I am deeply enamored. And I love this uh, connection between Malloy and Louis. I like how much emphasis we're putting on that part of this story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um it really like grounds us in the modern times, the COVID of it all right at the forefront, you know, uh, but that little moment between them of this kind of shift in the tone of like, gosh, now we're just two people, one of whom is dead and a murderous killer. I've watched drink the blood of a man and kill a fox and mm-hmm. all these things, this kind of intense dinner experience leading to this connection of like uh that ultimately him saying like i can appreciate what you see about yourself as imperfect while louis talks about himself as this flawed failed vampire a botched vampire right Mm -hmm. yeah it's really compelling i think one of the things that is working for me so well is and and they have to slow play it to a degree because this is a even even though i believe this is a seven episode uh season is this their connection between the two um, the two of them and their relationship in, in terms of Louis and Lestat. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, that, and I am finding it's working quite perfectly in terms of the Sam Reed portrayal of Lestat in terms of being both a monster and a very compelling individual. Um, that, uh, yeah, it's, it's working when they're, when um, Louis comes home, he's like, I almost ate my nephew and Lestat just going about, his day like he's like he's like you know in his life and telling him like let's let's go on vacation you want to go on a vacation i got tuxedos made for us you know not only did i just like almost eat my nephew but i also have like a job to do and like also how are we going to move our coffins around the world he's like "Ah, you know logistics figure it out you know i've done this for a while and so yeah he's just this both you know a monster in the degree that he's sitting there not being like you know Gosh, that's yeah, that is quite awful that you almost like killed your nephew. Um, and and also and then like moving on with this life and being this very compelling uh individual. I think the Sam Reed performance, uh, perhaps in this episode was was even stronger than than episode one. I found this episode a little bit sore. We don't really advance much plot in terms of the plot that we uh mm-hmm. we get from this episode is essentially uh what type of, of amp like what what does Louis need to do in order to become uh, a vampire? Oh, learning uh, about the the training of it all 
and also that uh, Louis is going to have a lot of money, uh, which which the set already has a lot of money. So I'm not sure. We'll see how important that that becomes. Obviously, uh, they talk about living in this. Uh, he lives in this gigantic uh, tower um, at the beginning of the episode. He says, you hear that groaning? He's like, yeah, it's part of living in a really tall tower. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like sometimes, uh, yeah, it has to like move and shift. Um, so, yeah, I found the Sam Reed portrayal in this episode to be to be incredibly uh, compelling. I second that motion. We talked a little bit about Sam Reed last week. I thought like just that singular shot, it's still like locked in my mind of him on the church floor with the blood on his mouth to like shift mm -hmm. from the elite French gentleman to the monster mm -hmm. in the in the blood, right? Um, it, he, like Louis says it, he had a way about him those first few years. Preternaturally charming, occasionally thoughtful, my murderer, mentor, lover, and maker all at once, right? And the complexity of their relationship and the way that Louis articulates that thought, because it is exactly that, right? He has the, the, this was a really important character for me. And I think for fans of the books, it's a really important character. The second book in the series is The Vampire Lestat. It's like a deep story about him. If we're going to move forward this series, I expect we're going to have to transition out of the book at some point. Uh, we, we've really only covered a very short section. We're in the first kind of like 30 or 40 pages of the text, right? Um, um, but but I fully agree. This this is such an excellent portrayal of Lestat, the way that even right from the beginning, when he's taking Louis, and we kind of begin our education, right, of this fledgling. And he's like, I, I realize the kind of uh, what a hypocrite I'm being, espousing cleanliness after overindulging back there in the church. But it's rare that we have such accommodations as a local grave to like dispose of our wastings. <laughs> like it's it's magnificent, right? There's yeah. this poise and sophistication to this man, this allure, an entire intoxicating kind of like sexuality that's just oozing out of him along with like these very pragmatic lessons that he's trying to teach this man about like okay so to endure for centuries as a killer amongst a world of mortals these are the things we need to keep in mind we can't kill prominent lawyers we should dispose of the bodies you know we need to be like cautious and thoughtful about how we engage in these things um I loved it. I just thought it was so great as we get that conflict with the tenor where Louis is asking them, why do you do this? I like it. I enjoy it. You know, yeah. and Louis is kind of saying to him, well, you don't have to like draw it out. You don't have to humiliate the man. Right. He talks about like, he shatters this man's confidence, every bit of like conviction he has in his ability within 30 minutes, a lifetime of training broken by Lestat. Like, it's the degradation coupled with the murder that Louis is just so appalled by, but yet he plays along because he's so smitten by this man and wants to impress him and make him think that I can be what you want me to be, even amidst this realization that he cannot. Uh, and, and it's masterful as Lestat kind of screams at him, right? You don't have to appreciate it or enjoy it. Don't kill them fast then, but kill right. them, Louis. You are a killer, you know? It's like, God, perfect. This guy's killing it and I'm sold. Well, yeah, he's killing it. Uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, and I think that the all the stuff with seeing going back to see Grace and, and his mother, and he reads his mother's uh, thoughts, and she's very, you know, interestingly, she's not, you know, in her head, she's not, you know, using specific homophobic language, but saying like, "Oh my God, he got his nails done. He wears the glasses. I guess that's the style of the time for men like him." Um, knowing what he is, and and, and Louis is going to say to Grace like. 
yeah, my life is different. Like I, you know, different than yours. I'm, I'm, I'm with Lestat. He's saying the name Grace can't stay uh, the name. I've been in that situation where like, uh, the, even though I'm like out to my parents, they're like, uh, there was a time where they were so nervous about using the actual language as if it gave it like life to be like, uh, gay? Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, those scenes really highlight that there's no going back. Uh, for Louis, I think uh, it's the the most interesting and compelling part uh, of of what has happened to Louis, uh, and essentially, like you know, they talk about you know those things that he describes of like Louis trying to say you know this was it was my choice to get into that coffin uh, uh, that night the the night that he tries to the morning after his first kill he tries to walk back he burns in the sun and he comes back and he says you you can be <laughs> you can be on top unless uh, Dad says um, and. Daniel is like sort of balking at this idea, right? That like, you, know, you are compelled, you know, there's a lot of actually, like, I think, you know, groomer energy to the show to oh, a degree. Absolutely. I think we said there. this last week. Yeah. yeah. Um, that there really is like, not only is the stat just making these like compelling arguments, we'll put those in quotations, but it's not like there's another choice for Louis at this exact moment, right? Like, where is he supposed to to go he has he has i guess he has money but not, he doesn't have money until lestat's the one who uh buys uh like re, like you know uh enough money that he could do what he needs to do now that he is also you know talk about those all those complications that uh lestat can can take care of in terms of they were to travel to rome and that's rome italy not rome wisconsin um <laughs> that uh you know he's he's attached to Lestat uh there there's you know where else is he supposed to go and the fact that he's sitting holding his nephew and wants to bite and kill his own nephew that where else is Louis gonna go the nephew moment uh baby Benny there was so excellent right because this is um I think what Anne Rice does really well with the vampire mythology is the conflict of it all and the turmoil internally, right? There is this notion of like the vampire as this supernatural being, this superhero. It's a gift, the dark gift. You get to be immortal. You get all these powers. Louis even knows I have powers now. You know, I'm not what I was before. Um, but the notion of the drive, the hunger being this like monstrous burden. And Louis will articulate to Daniel in the interview, right? In the real time of like, no, most of the rest of us are slaves to the hunger, right? They are indulgent. They look upon you as cattle, as feed, as less than and in this way. Uh, and, and this whole moment that he's having with Daniel about the relationship with Lestat, there's incredible groomer energy. Lestat is like wildly manipulative. He's like absolutely positioned this guy. And Louis does try to make the other choice. He does not just like, you know, he leaves the building literally and walks out into right. the sunlight, which is a huge change from the books. And I thought like it, it, it kind of was maybe the part that didn't work for me the most. Right. Cause mm -hmm. Lestat like sees this precious kind of thing that he wants mm -hmm. and he articulates it in the auction house. Like the truest pain that I have known, the real agony and the curse of our kind is the loneliness, the decades of like emptiness. And you uh, absolve that you are like my pansea for that. Like you must not leave me. We must be together, Louis. So the notion that like he lets Louis walk out and face this on his own, it seems insightful in a way, but insightful in like a powerfully manipulative way that he knows like he can't just tell this man and get him to believe he needs to like let him go experience that to yes. then come back and and go forward with this notion that he is making the choice to get into the coffin on his own. But when you have no other choices, what choice is it really? Right. Exactly. Uh, in the books, yeah. there's a point where like Louis like. 
Lestat explains to him, the sun will destroy you and you, you need to get into the coffin with me. And Louis is like, I'll sleep in the closet, uh, which is a uh, you know, powerful metaphor, clearly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Lestat's like, you fool, don't you know what you are? Like, come be in here with me. And right. Louis talks about the conflict of all of it. And he's got um, a great line where he, he's talking about how it was too many firsts in one night, uh, coming out, dying, being reborn, gaining this power, stepping away from his family. It's all so much. And Lestat is doing this with intention to just like overwhelm him in this kind of current, pushing him in one direction, that direction being to get into the coffin and sleep with me tonight, right? Uh, The beginning of what will be many years, essentially, of the two of them together. But the whole beat of like Malloy challenge him right Mm -hmm. Um, where he's like oh yeah white master black student but equal in the private dark right he's really attacking language that louis is using that i am uh, very much perceiving as this kind of like defensive language that an abused partner gives to their abuser right Mm -hmm. and like no no he loves me though oh no i chose this and i chose to stay and it's the way we kind of like can justify the decisions that we make that we don't want to acknowledge that perhaps we're not making for the right reasons we're making out of fear out of manipulation and all of it it's all very powerful uh yeah yeah i i love that you know it's been you know a hundred plus years uh of since their time together and yet i think yes there's like you can tell that louis is coming out of like an abusive relationship that he still has. He puts a lot of blame still on himself. uh, Mm -hmm. He's a failed vampire rather than this idea that Lestat is the one who puts him um, uh, in this uh, position, right? Uh, That, that Lestat is essentially, you know, his maker. Not only did he make him a vampire, he, he, you know, everything about his life is now entirely at the, at the, the whim of, of Lestat and the, and part of what's so, you know, messed up and evil about Lestat is that it does not seem like he's he's doing that, right? But as as you're watching, uh, he absolutely is, right? Even even the joke about like let's go to let's go to Rome, like let's go on vacation, and it's you know that whole thing is like he had bought the tuxedos and everything, but it's like oh well then let's just have Rome come to us and let's go to the opera. I love mm-hmm. Louis being like God, another opera is like not another opera, like this specific opera that I don't know the name of. Um, that uh you know he i don't know he's so manipulative he he everything has to be under his his control uh what lestat wants everything it's like bargaining right he throws the high number out first knowing that it's going to get dismissed so like okay so the opera then right uh and he does know that this is um an opera written by an individual named marius romanus uh Mm -hmm. he was an acquaintance of at the time there's a name that i just want us to put a pin in uh, in case it comes back up later. Is that not the name of the artist who is looking at the painting? Is it Romanus? Is it not? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. That was the painting. That was the painting. Okay. That's my mistake. That's the painting oh, in the very beginning. It's not the same. Uh, it's not the same. Person. No, it's not okay, the okay, same. Okay. Uh, I yeah. apologize. I'm I'm crossing my streams here. But Marius de Romanus is the, the painting in the beginning. It's a name drop that we get that I just want to put a pin in for. Uh, there was another thing. Someone was saying, and I'm... Oh, do you know what? It's from it's from the next episode because I've seen people in the Discord talking and I accidentally clicked a spoiler. So I will I will leave uh, the notes that I was uh, thinking. This is, this is the problem with AMC releasing them uh, uh, ahead of time um 
where else should we go in this episode? There's a, uh, I, I, I very much, I think uh, in episode one, I was very entranced by the, um, some of the effects of showing how um, the vampires use their powers. I think Lestat specific in episode one, like the poker table, the slowing down of time or mm -hmm. pausing time. Um, I thought the, uh, again, the training montage-ness of how do you learn to read their minds? You listen for the heartbeat and drown everything else out. And then you will hear um, what, what they want. I thought maybe it worked a little bit uh, uh, fast, um, but uh, as Lestat and Louis are heading through uh, and hilariously, like, like, there's only three things people want. And, and Louis is like, okay, listen to that guy. And he's like, I'm so hungry. They're like, listen to that girl. It's like, I, I just, you know, it's not cheating if I want to, you know, if I sleep with a woman because uh, I won't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is like, listen in. And I can't remember what he says. He's like, keep listening. He's like, He's or like, I'm going to get the hell yeah. out of this town. I'm right. going to find a life for myself. Right. Like, wait, wait, that's not what, just, just hold on. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll just go home. <laughs> of course, these three people, I, which I guess like you could see as hokey uh, in some ways. I'm sure many people thought it was kind of hokey, but it's also like, I think part of it is that um, as Lestat is going to teach Louis how to hunt, uh, how to, and, and Louis is going to recount this to, to Daniel of, of teaching him how to hunt and learning how to do it. Lestat is a very watchful individual. I think uh, you don't get away, uh, you know, with killing this many people uh, without, you know, being aware of your surroundings, knowing what's happening. So the, the idea that he can pull, you know, he can sort of choose, listen to that like homeless person over there. I bet I, bet I know what you, you know, he's he's thinking about. Um, I think just shows how dangerous and powerful um, Lestat is. But I thought this this seed of like the, the training montage and him saying, you know, that won't work on me, uh, I thought was really fun. I loved it. So yeah, we didn't advance the plot incredibly, but it's such great world building uh, in the sense of the mythology, right? I mean, it's our world, so we don't need to necessarily like set up the places and the power players and all this kind of stuff in the world building, but the mythology of these vampires and their abilities and what works and what's important and the emphasis that Lestat's giving. I mean, Lestat is successful as a vampire, right? He is able to like come to New Orleans with the resources to like end up with this house he's been killing for all this time right the fever that like these people are ending up down by the docks he's very specific and and the education that he's giving louis on so many levels the the mind reading stuff was great um i i love that but even just the beat with the soldier right as mm -hmm. they go in and louis sees the sailor and it's like that one you know he's crazed like a mm -hmm. like an animal like a predator he just comes in and that that like drive for blood he wants to like go right at him and the stats like oh, of course you pick the prettiest one in the room you know here's the problem like we get rid of that guy you're going to spend all night trying to separate him from his allies you're going to end up pushed up against the dawn it'll be pressure tomorrow morning when he doesn't show back up on the ship they're going to scour the city for him in the beginning it's easiest to let the food come to you when they shift to like their pony buying tractor dealer right and there is this practicality to Lestat of like it's part of, I talk about the role-playing game of it all that kind of evolved and, and was born out of a lot of the inspiration that Anne Rice gives us. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the game is Vampire the Masquerade, the, the masquerade being this hiding in plain sight. How right. can a vampire go about this immortal existence in a world of mortals, right? This notion that Louis wants to get into all these human affairs. He won't divorce himself from his family. And the stat saying, they will come to fear you. If they don't already, they will. I mean, inevitably at a point, Louis 
keeps coming back to visit years later and years later. Like he's not aging. His sister sees his eyes changed, right? Um, there's all of these very real sort of practical elements to it. And I love the acknowledgement of New Orleans uh, mm -hmm. as like an important setting. Uh, Anne Rice, very of that place. And Lestat articulates it so well. The kind of laissez-faire attitude of the police, the travelers coming in and out, right? People not being accounted mm -hmm. for, the nightlife, the kind of debauchery, and the hedonistic impulses. All of this feeds into an environment where a vampire can thrive. Uh, and can work off like the edges of society in such a way as like, hey, if we don't kill important lawyers, they probably won't come hunting us, you know? So I really loved the bits of that we got uh, along with like this really powerful character development, specifically for Louis. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and like the really for Lestat as well, I think. But I, I loved the advancement of Louis and the articulation of this fundamental premise of who he is as a character, which is what we should take away at the end, that he is not ever going to be OK as a killer. He is never going to be OK to sit there with a the man bleeding him out slowly all night, tormenting him in the way that Lestat will. Lestat revels in this side of their existence and Louis is appalled, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I love that. I love how well articulated it is amidst like some really just practical stuff about like, OK, so here's being a vampire, right? Right. Uh, yeah, it is. And, and we know because he's, you know, in 2022 or whatever, June 2022, I think is when the modern day time is set that like, he's still not OK. You know, he hasn't killed a human being since I think he says 2010, 2000. I can't remember what the exact date is, but but many, many years, 10 to 20 uh, years, he has refused uh, to kill an individual. Um, and I think it's I think it's really interesting to see how the unraveling of sort of what his current life looks like. I mean, I think very fun that last episode we get sort of the introduction to this, you know, modern day coffin, the the, the apartment that he lives in in the United Arab Emirates uh, this week, the seven, you know, course meal um, that Louis himself is taking part of. It's not that he just drinks blood. There's blood from the farm. Um, and then there is the animal, like the little fox that he, he, uh, eats. Mm -hmm. uh, an actual human who sits next to him. Uh, Dacum, I think is his, uh, yes. his name, uh, who he feeds on and he stumbles out of the room. So it's not as if he, he's not killing anybody, but he also is sort of, and, and he's, he's participating in, in some, you know, weird system that yes, it's, it's to his own survival, but he's also indulging to a degree, right? Um, that you know to to not only to, to clearly have a farm where people bleed for you but also mm -hmm. have a literal individual uh, uh there um while also trying to ground himself the end of the episode being you know i try to eat a human meal once a week and daniel says what does it taste like he says like paste like soap uh it doesn't taste like you know, it tastes awful essentially but i i do it once a week to try and you know keep the thread uh, uh attached so very interesting that i think he you know he's still in some way i think he's both indulging and in, and trying not to indulge you know he lives in this massive uh uh apartment you know this, this and, and i think the the butler the servant uh, i'm not sure we have a name rashid rashid i think is very interesting to me as well in terms of you know there's a bit of an odd relationship there as well that rashid seems to he, he says, I serve a God, you know, I serve this powerful uh, a being. And I'm, I would be, you know, I, I don't know how much of the modern day story we're going to get. I certainly feel like there's been more modern day 
stuff. Like I think this version of Daniel Malloy is so much more uh, well fleshed out than the one in the in the movie. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. That it's been really interesting, right? He he gets the stinger of the episode, right? He gets the 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 metaphor about his wife and, and what the dessert means to him and the, and the eyebrow. That it's very interesting, and I think um, perhaps there being a little bit of like. hypocrisy to a degree of like modern day Louis, I think could be really interesting. And, and, you know, you certainly can tell that Daniel Malloy would not be someone who would just like let that go. So I I think all of that stuff is is really interesting uh, and compelling. And yeah, you talked about uh, the name of the the artist. uh, That's the opening of the the episode, him looking at the painting of like sort of a a godlike figure being attacked by these uh, demons, devils, um, as you were. Yeah. Yeah, I love the use of Malloy, right? And like the resetting in the book, we spend a lot more time jumping back into the modern day, right? And in the film, they really just want to like shoot us back into the story proper and track it. Uh, so, right. so Malloy kind of exists as like these bookends to remind us, like, oh yes, this is an interview. This is a recounting of events, you know. Um, this version of Malloy as a older man with conviction towards the end of his life, the fear of death probably much less palpable as, as it becomes more real for him. The Malloy in the books is terrified being in the room with Louis. There's an absolute like riveting fear, you know, and Louis is kind of like trying to assuage it the whole way, but also trying to articulate like, yes, you should be afraid. Uh, I am a killer. And so I love the way that Louis is doing that here, right? He talks about that salesman, the tractor salesman, and he was haunted by his death the taste of his blood like he rooted in the back of his mouth and this is the point where he has the fox and and he's saying to daniel like do you contemplate the life of the rabbit before you cut it you know as he's about to like rip into this fox this is a very real part of what we are like we are killers as humans in that way i know many of us are not and have now in this modern age like opted out of that lifestyle it's a very meaningful and important choice to a lot of people Mm -hmm. um for reasons beyond that of health and diet right for the moral implications of it and so louis articulating this so well but then he goes on to be like vampires are killers like these senses that we have these abilities that we have they're there to create a sense of detachment for us to be able to become these perfect killers to revel in the ending of a life and exalt in the moment of death this is what lestat's trying to sell him like accept who you are accept that you were a killer and you can appreciate the entirety of life in that in the moment of death you get the the importance of it the weight of it right we see it with the tenor where louis suddenly like i was seeing visions uh, of his childhood in a mountain home in italy the easter celebration soggy bread in his pocket the afternoon with his father right uh this life flashing before your eyes and this is part of what's articulated in Anne rice's writing she puts so much weight into the kiss it's called the bite Right. Right. And the notion of intoxication that comes with it that is aligned with louis having uh like servants that that will consent to come and have their blood taken from him to be bitten because it is euphoric it's akin to uh, the orgasmic experience right it's Mm -hmm. very explicitly like said there right for as much as there's like coding and illusions in rice's text she's like overt about this um and and the juxtaposition of what louis is doing here as he's ripping into this fox talking about what we are defined to be and saying the book needs to be warning right well like yeah don't expect folks to buy that maybe because 
I think that what some of Malloy is talking about is the romanticism that we put on this, mm -hmm. this era of Twilight and of Buffy and of the modern day vampires where they are these heroic characters and we are retelling them in this good light. Uh, but no, like Louis is here to really articulate like as much of a gentleman as I can be and I can host you and I can accommodate you and I can even like show the restraint. I'm a master of myself as I sit before you here. I have not killed in 20 years because I have absolute mastery over my control. But we are killers unequivocally. Like he's acknowledging the truth of Lestat's statements to him while also rejecting that as his own truth like that he needs to like find his own path but the point he's trying to sell to Malloy is like do not exalt us and it's such an interesting conflict to me in terms of the Rashid where you have these people right. that are like you are a god we will serve you uh, right. with delight like he's doing well Lestat did isn't he isn't he like repeating the behavior in a sense? that's what I'm saying I think he right? could be he could be seen as a bit of a hypocrite right to, like, uh, yeah um the also the intoxicating nature of like the bite as well in terms of uh, uh, Louis certainly has that th I think it's the morning after and then also that scene where they're they're gonna go like he has not had his first kill yet yeah they're walking and he's, it's almost like he's, you know, the lights flashing and all the things that he can see and hear that, you know, he's, he's honed in in a sense, but also it's like, yeah, this very like fever dreamish uh, thing. And then when um, uh, the man who he bites, he feeds on at dinner. He does not kill. He has a petite le coup. Uh, uh, he when does. He, he, when he walks away and he is sort of like stumbling back, right? Like he's like, you know, it's it, but like he chooses to do it. Yeah, you know, the intoxicating nature of participating um, in this in this cultural, just how I think like visceral and like you know real it is. I think I think it's like you know you talked about in the preview show that Anne Rice sort of created this culture of vampirism that's very alluring, it's very like sexual. That's like it, it. I think the show is doing a really excellent job at making that work i think between the scene last week where they're like floating in the air and you're just watching mm -hmm. them uh, and then and then everything uh of this episode uh yeah it's 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 quite good uh the other kill i think we should talk about a little bit is, is this this one i i i love this monologue when um you know louis is doing uh, doing business with this man and, and he, he calls him um you know you're an exceptional negro and that just does not uh, sit well we saw it last episode too where these people um you know in in the time freezing uh power of louis or sorry lestat saying you know you let these people treat you this way it's so interesting that he says that last episode and then you know, Louis not going to let them treat him this way uh, and then get reprimanded for it because like, you know, uh, you shouldn't have killed him. Uh, you know, talking about the parish priests, you, you know, you kill them. People won't even care. Um, but this individual so close to your, a stone's throw away from your business. Um, but I, I just love the, the, you know, the, you know, I had decades of rage built within me um, that this man, uh, you know, chose the wrong day to, to sort of like try me. Um, and so, and so killing him and this is, you know, it's not his first kill, but it feels like his first kill, you know, uh, you know, you talk about that scene in the bar where he's looking at the sailor, like he so desperately wants to go get the sailor. It's like, no, not that one. This guy, the tractor salesman with the daughter, you got to kill him. This is the first one where he's like, no, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm powerful. Now. I'm going to kill, uh, which is very fun in terms of like this mentor mentee relationship in terms of like the young, you know, the young one who, you know, it's a little bit sloppy, a little bit careless. Um, yeah. 
I loved all the kills. The first one I thought was so excellent. Louis like clumsily taking him down and him yeah. pulling away and the stats like no no sitting on the stairs like don't, don't, like, don't, the don't like the blood. Just yeah. Suck. Suck. You know? <laughs> like it's so great. And Louis like uh just so caught up in it. But this moment with the lawyer is just masterful, right? As yeah. he's talking about it. I'd let them talk to me like that for so long. I stopped hearing it, right? The the like nature of how he has had this kind of success in this environment right and everything he says about like all that came from this organ inside me an organ unknown to science at the time because what scientists would look for an organ found only in black men who use their weakness to rise so he's identifying this um like coding in a very real way right that he's yep. using this code switching kind of like uh um maneuvering in this yeah. social dynamic that he has become a master of to succeed in the right. environment of New Orleans at the turn of the century, at the beginning of the 20th century. And the recognition of what Lestat's been telling him that like, no, no, you don't need to be this anymore. You are not this. And I think in this way, it's such, again, we talked about it last time, but it really is worth stopping down. The, the pivot and the change here to making Louis a man of color, making Louis openly gay, right? The whole confrontation right. that he has with the stat of like and what's going on here i'm a queer you're half queer you're this you're that i found it really interesting for me you know as like a, a, a cis guy like watching over here trying to like parse that and what that means and what definitions are and labels and the weight of them and the importance of them and how we perceive what we need to do as weaknesses or as strengths there's just so much caught up in all of this but this reaction to the lawyer of like enough is enough i do not need to sit here and deal with this shit anymore it's magnificent right it is the moment of recognition of louis like he is still a child to lestat in a sense he is not mm -hmm. the the more powerful of the two but he has such overwhelming power against everybody else where lestat's talking to him about like you have the power to like overcome anyone that you choose at any moment, but sometimes restraint is going to be your best weapon. You know, uh, you need to like pick your fights and like where you're going to fight them. And it's an impulse here that Louis does this at a like pure unmitigated rage. And he's like the, the way that he talks about it, right. It was um, an unfortunate coincidence that yeah. like he chose this night to engage in unmitigated effery. Like it, yeah. it's just so perfect. Grace. It really is an excellent, Excellent beat. Yeah, uh beat, yeah. A beat and then a bite. Uh yeah. yeah. With a bite. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I that that scene where they're at the incinerator he's <laughs> killing, yeah, the, the back and forth of like, we're different. We're still different, you know. Yes. We're the same, but we are we are very different. Uh and I and I think that there's also like I think, you know, uh the whole way, I think even the last scene. Uh, not the last scene, that's the, the dinner scene, but when they're feeding on the opera singer yes. and the way that Louis does join in, but so reluctantly, uh, right? And you see like Lestat's like hand on the back of his head. And so he's like, yeah, I, I, I participated, but I was not uh, doing it that I, I think it will be important this whole time for, you know, I, I love that Louis is saying like, you know, there was something about him. There's something so entrancing and intoxicating. And yet all at the same time, I have these little doubts. So I think that that's, you know, that's uh, true as well, that like um, you're almost like purposely ignoring the red flags uh, sometimes in a relationship like this to try and see if you can make it work, especially as we talked about that, like Louis has um, nowhere else uh, to go. But also, like, I think, you know, in terms of this being 
you know, a coming out story. You know, this is the first time, you know, if we, uh, he, in the show, he's like sort of now out as queer. But if we take that the metaphor of him being a vampire is actually the metaphor for being <laughs> queer, which is very kind of complicated. This is the first time he's like having to figure out how to live that way. And I think there's this thing that happens. Uh, I know this happened for me, both in terms of like coming out when I came out, like I thought I was a gay man and coming out as trans. Mm-hmm. of this like oh now i'm free like i could like i can do whatever i want and then trying to parse out those things of like uh what am i doing because i'm just trying to, i'm trying to see where my own limits and, and where my own boundaries uh are um and just trying to like navigate the world now like because it's the first time that you you know when you're at that moment when you've sort of come out even when you've just come out to yourself like trying to figure mm-hmm. out okay now let me parse through all the thi- like all my internalized homophobia my internalized mm-hmm. transphobia um now how am i going to navigate the world which are the things that i thought you know as you start like trying things for me as like a trans person it was like you know okay what are the things that i like about femininity which are the things i don't like which what am i doing because i just think that like that's like what society thinks mm-hmm. i should be doing you know it's like it's very complicated to because like you have accepted this thing about yourself and you're trying to navigate the world and there's many ways in which like you want to the world is not built for for you in a, in a way the world you know in a, terms of this like being the queer analogy is like the world is very like uh, heterosexual it's very like heteronormative mm-hmm. right and so you're trying to push back and like when you're pushing on these things it's like is it like oh i just shouldn't be doing this thing at all or i can i not do this thing because like society is not built for it do you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah. uh, i want to do this thing and i can't tell you know do I want to do the thing because of like, should I have restraint in this moment because that's like how society functions or should I have restraint in this moment? Am I, or am I like thinking I need to have restraint because society is putting these like boundaries and limitations on it. And I think this is such a, like, I, I think it's a very slow episode. I think in terms of like the whole plot, but I think it, this is such a character episode, especially oh, yeah. for Louis who is now both learning how to be a, a vampire and then struggling with that of like the constraints uh of that i think there's an interesting character i know I, you know we've been kind of spoiling uh a little bit of like the movie a little bit so I'll try to like be a little bit more contained but in terms of a character who's coming who i think will also <laughs> have to deal with that in terms of being uh a young individual uh who's trying to like navigate the world i'm really interesting how that interested how that person plays into the story um yeah so i just thought like a very compelling and like emotional and real uh, uh, episode here, uh, setting aside that like I can't speak to like, the experience of being a black person um, in America, but I thought all but, like in terms of the queer analogy stuff, I thought it was really strong. Yeah. If I may, you know, at the risk of like, I, I really don't want to like trivialize any of like the experience that you're articulating here, but I guess part of what I found so compelling about it as a young straight man reading this stuff is that there is something so powerfully like resonant and um, understandable about that experience. I think that a lot of like what you just articulated is part of coming of age, isn't it? And trying to like understand who you are and who you want to be in this world. And in that sense, that's where I really am so challenged by the kind of bigotry and prejudice that we see in the world, right? Like at the end of the day, we're all going through these experiences and they may be at different times for different reasons, but trying to find who you are, who you want to be, understand how much of that is because of what you were taught by people who weren't giving you the best lessons, what you believe society is about because of the constructs that have been in place because of, you know, which country won a war a thousand years ago, right? And all of the kind of um, archaic uh, uh, edifices that 
hold up our society and that we operate within the kind of channels of the maze that that social strata moves through it's very relatable grace as like a cis straight man like everything you just articulated to me without having gone through any of that experience or truly understanding the, like the specifics of what you're talking about gosh i can connect with the emotions of it right mm -hmm. of like that pushing against the boundaries to understand who you need to be and who you want to be and and as you find your conviction and your beliefs and the strength of like your point of view about the world and what matters to you as a human that's like participating in this whole thing called life uh how you want to like forge your path and impact the people around you and engage with the relationships of value and find your joy and and ease your sorrows like all of this is such a challenge right and and there's so many inputs that we deal with that are pushing us or pulling us in different directions and parsing out what actually works for you as a person and and what you've been told you're supposed to do is a really essential part of the human experience i think right that i powerfully relate to and it's part of why as a, a straight dude i can like relate so much to to the relationships that these dudes are going through here and especially louis as a character is just infinitely compelling to me uh it, and i think it was a really masterful job in both the writing and again the performances right uh the sets have been awesome the costumes mm -hmm. very cool like these guys in their costumes and their their suits are magnificent I, i'm really smitten with the whole ensemble but i think the writing is like really doing it for me and the performances between these two men are exceptional yeah i think just to like replying to that point you're making about relating to it i think that's amazing and i think that there is like there's studies to show that as soon as you know a trans person as soon as you know a gay person uh you know the, your um that um acceptance levels of that thing goes up and so i think this is why i think that the there's this like really unique thing about this particular show that i think is is really interesting because not only is it it, it is a queer story it mm -hmm. is uh, these two characters are gay that they are in a relationship and and so we can see that and then them trying to navigate the world and being um other like i think you know the the, the idea of being othered is not unique to the lgbtq nope. community uh mm -hmm. i think it's very like it, you know funny when people uh, say like oh didn't you did you see like the the trans queer like storyline in this in this thing uh that's like completely metaphor like it's not actually it was like yeah kind of just wish though like sometimes there was like actual like queer it was, it was explicitly queer instead of being yeah. like uh, uh the metaphor and so, yeah, I think it's important to have these stories that that can show that like the struggles that people who are LGBTQ are going through are, you know, are can be very similar to the ways in which that, uh, uh, you know, straight cis people are trying to navigate uh, the world and just like, you know, coming of age and trying to figure out who you are. I think that the one thing I think the reason why this show works on such a visceral level is that is the demonizing of vampires like rightly so i think kind of <laughs> in like well, in, yeah. in the world right but this idea that like uh it is literally true that like being trans and being queer in in uh like in many countries today will will get you killed uh, uh right and so i think that that's like the one piece that i think is like why and why i think the show is so interesting that it it can be both a queer story and a queer analogy right um that i think like in the modern day time it will not be dangerous for louis to be uh queer necessarily but it but it but it is dangerous for him to be a vampire so we kind of get like uh to the point of the end of the episode we get our cake and we get to eat it too i think a, a little bit and, and i think that's why like it's really 
resonating with me in terms of how layered the metaphor is because it's kind of like as soon as you're like well they're gay like it's almost like okay well then all the like vampire to queer analogy goes away but it but for me it really doesn't it's like either i'm getting to see both at the same time if that if that makes sense yeah. it does totally make sense and so i guess what's interesting to me again i, I really want to be so thoughtful i'm so appreciative to be able to share my thoughts and in, mm -hmm. in this on this story and on this show and i'm very aware of the straight male perspective that i bring to the table right um and i think in that way like i've spoken to some of my friends who are gay over the years about interview and about the metaphor of, of vampirism and, and the LGBT community. And the reality is like, there's a lot of it that's positive and can be understood in a very positive way for folks reading it. But there's a real uh, like charged negativity about it too, right? Sure. Of like, these are explicitly predators. This is not like uh, that part of the metaphor is really toxic and dangerous and poisonous. So I think that bringing both these things to the forefront, letting them both exist in the same space at the same time, it allows a separation between the two ideas where we can actually have this explicitly queer story being yeah. told because Yes, Louis is talking about coming out and Louis gets to sit in a room in 2022 with a man who's going to mock him about him, a gay man, about his own interpretation of his first gay relationship with another man. And mm -hmm. as like modern day queer scholars and theorists are, would be like appalled to hear you articulate it this way. But meanwhile, Louis is talking about coming out and then we get the opera scene where he does, in fact, have to come in and play the part of the valet and walk right. behind the stat and wait until the lights go off to sit in the booth with him right and all of this is so charged and powerful yeah. and like oh my gosh right we're so invested emotionally in louis experience here that amidst the actual horrors that are occurring around him while he's killing people and the stats like trying to turn him into a full-fledged like hunter and a predator of humans he's also dealing with like very rote human bigotry right and that's mm -hmm. a very uh important and tangible part of his experience as a person whether it a live human or a dead vampire in new orleans at the turn of the century right yeah. uh this is like fundamental to the story that we're telling and that's why i love these changes i think that making him a person of color making him gay uh it's such a wonderful choice to reapproach this story all of these changes some of them are really powerful and overt that i'm talking about from the book and i want to be cautious not to like get too specific and spoil the book here we're talking about the show and the book is a great gift for you if you fall in love with this story through a dark the TV gift show a dark a gift indeed gift. yeah, yeah. Okay. once yeah. you read the book we can't read your minds anymore That's right. um but there's huge changes here and it's still like keeping the spirit of louis dupont du lac so perfectly realized in in this interpretation of a very different louis dupont du lac right and I, I just love that so much the notion that he takes over the brothel and is like i paid everybody better yeah. i took care of the people that came along with me i and love it i made enough money to be buried like a pharaoh right um, it's a good is, line it's a good line. It, it's fantastic yeah. right but this is the kind of louis that we even got before and like gosh it's a lot harder to be like i was a slave owner but i was a nice slave owner like that's a tough sell man it's pretty <laughs> tough you know? yeah like, that's not an easy pill to swallow um but this notion of like especially in the modern day like sex work is real work right and the notion that like he's humanizing the people that work for him he's got this real human empathy he cares about his family he cares about his sister he cares about all these things i i love it so much right yeah. because part of that has to be in my perception from the outside looking in about the empathy that he does not get 
for his position in the world, right? right. Of being black and being gay and all of these things, right? Um, it's really powerful. It's really resonant. And and from a dude standing on the outside looking into a very intimate story about people unlike myself, I see so much of myself in there yeah, that I'm good. just enchanted, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing I also want to compliment, Loon, I love the the way he kills the opera singer. So not only does he get the like quippy line of like, yeah, I was there when he wrote it or whatever. And then he like, just like, dabs his fingers in the guy. and then louis says afterwards that the reason he did that was because he he severed like the thing that made the man not be able to call out for help uh i was like boy that's that's very good it's very again it's like this like demonstrative thing that he's do or like uh, sorry like demonic thing he's doing uh, literally killing a man because he didn't like the way he sang um but also doing it kind of like a badass <laughs> this is dangerous this is bad it, it's yeah. badass grace right he's like uh uh he he cut the man tenderly so that he couldn't oh. call for help but also so that his death was slow and meditative and i felt the charge witnessing it it's very badass right the like oh. one finger quitting uh but also like, oh my gosh what a monster this guy is you know wild yeah um anything else uh rich uh do, what do you think there's a little time jump in here um that i <laughs> you and i know a thing or two about we time do jumps. we're talking time jumps <laughs> great uh so i did have this as a note of like this was an excellent time jump wasn't it to just like it felt yeah. very fluid it yeah. was kind of nebulous we don't necessarily need to define it we get the note from like oh you haven't even met the twin i'm pregnant with twins you haven't yeah. even met the twins uh, yeah. i love louis interaction with his mother felt so charged and painful yeah. the way that he's responding her mind. to the mind reading uh, yeah. the react the interaction with grace just beautiful like her affection for him her willingness to accept uh his differentness from her uh yeah. but his still rejection of all that felt so powerful the kills were excellent uh i i really i love this episode i love the discussion also of lestat and his love of music uh, yeah, music true. pierced his damn soul and any humans who created it existed on an elevated plane in his eyes yeah. i was moved to see he too had his mortal attachments right the idea that like even though the stat is so disconnected and so like embrace your monstrous side louis he has this love of humanity of creation right a, a thing mm -hmm. beyond vampires in a certain sense I, I, there was a lot of really masterful small moments through this episode that i just found myself intoxicated by in the nature of uh lestat's oh. bite you know yeah uh yeah i thought a very good episode again i, I said like um it, it's it felt very character uh heavy for both louis and lestat which i thought was was great i think that that's you know i think um i could see why they actually did drop these two um at once i think that they make a lot of sense actually in conjunction with each other in terms of by the end of this episode we sort of now have you know a a, a little bit more of a composed louis in terms of who he's going to be uh, moving forward. I was wondering, Rich, I was like, when they, he was like, uh, you want to go to Rome? I was like, oh boy, we're going to Europe already? Uh, but uh, alas, they have not yet gone to uh, Rome. Uh, they are still in New Orleans. Um, next week's episode, uh, which you could watch already if you have AMC+, Plus, um, is called Is My Very Nature That of a Devil? Um, so uh, very interested. Uh, that seems more louis you know uh and how he's dangerous but uh, yeah again i uh, i think after a very character heavy episode i imagine uh hopefully a bit of a plot 
uh, uh, you know, uh, centered episode next week. And despite like having watched the movie, I've not read the book. I'm like, yeah, I don't really know where they're going uh, uh, here. So this should be very fun. Yeah. With the seven episode arc, I have an imagining of where we're going. And I wonder if that line is attributed less to Louis and perhaps more to a different character we have yet Ooh. to meet. So I'm excited by that, but I'm really eager uh, to watch episode three. Oh. Uh, I'm excited that they're out early. Yeah. I'm going to go watch it right now. It's going to be great. Actually, yeah, it is a question. Is my very nature that of a devil? It doesn't have a question mark, uh, no punctuation, but yeah, it is a question. So uh, I'm with you. I, I am picking up what you're putting down uh, mm -hmm. in terms of who that potentially could be. Um, we'll be back next week, but uh, plenty more to listen uh, to us. Uh, Rich, what else do you have going on? Oh, gosh, so much, Grace. We're back at a galaxy far, far away and or streaming on Disney+. Plus. It is the Star Wars series you didn't know you needed. Mm -hmm. It is excellent. It is masterful. I'm talking about that every week with Brendan and LaTanya. Uh, the House of the Dragon Book Club, of course. I will be joined with by Taryn, as usual, and the great Mari Forth is going to be with us from now through the end of the season, which I'm very excited That's about. Great. And we have the final episode of The Rings of Power coming up. Uh, it's been incredible, Grace. I can't wait for you to get caught up on it. It's really such a treat to watch that show every week. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at DM Philly on Twitch, Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash DM Philly. Come say cool. hi. Yeah. Um, I am covering, actually, a little a slow down a little bit at the moment. Uh, uh, Shannon Gus did announce that uh, the two of us will be covering The Crown when it returns for season five. A whole new cast, a very interesting. Uh, Rich, another thing we know about recasting. Uh, every two seasons, The Crown recasts its entire uh, crew. Uh, so we will be uh, giving some preview pods. We're going to lump the actors together. So we'll recap seasons one and season two. And then in a separate pod, we'll do three and four. And then we'll be along the way for uh, the crown season five when it drops uh mike and i cover house of the dragon every sunday night i unfortunately was unable to join mike last night i was uh in a uh, thanksgiving turkey uh, hangover uh at my parents place so uh mike was joined by troy dj labelle klein and uh mary kwakowski they were excellent to listen to the podcast today on my drive home it was great i will be joining latonya starks and geo worthy for the versus pod this week where we uh compare uh season one episode eight of house of the dragon with season one episode eight of game of thrones so that should be very fun um and lots more on the way oh movies uh, Aaron and i cover movies this week we'll be covering uh amsterdam which has maybe the best cast ever for a movie that's getting this critically uh, critiqued. Is that the right word? I don't know. It's apparently that's really the right weird. word. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. It looks really bad, Rich. Uh, but we're going to talk about it. Um, and maybe an extra bonus pod this week. Uh, there's a few things that are tickling our fancy. So, um, And I have a, a show over on Rob as a podcast on the YouTube and Twitch channels over there. It's called Roll Call, where we play board games. Uh, we played Settlers of Catan about a month ago. Uh, a few weeks ago, Rich joined me to play the Game of Thrones board game along with Taryn, Puya, Kirsten, uh, and Mike Bloom. So check that out. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Hi From Grace. We'll be back next week with another episode of Interview with the Vampire. Until then, Strigoi. <laughs> <laughs>